This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. So, Sandy, this has just been really exciting. We are here <laughs> on the floor of the Wharton Social Impact Conference. This is a special broadcast of Dollars and Change. Mm-hmm. Um, who are you most excited to, to hear about today? You've got your own panel, too. Oh, gosh, that's a really, that's a, that's a great question. Um, the audience. I think, you know, uh. we, we know a lot of our, our panelists and our guests quite well, and we're excited to share their message with everyone. There goes Erica Karp, our keynote for later, who I'm so pumped to hear speak. But I'm excited to hear, you know, who's interested, who came today because they're impact curious, impact investing, that they're excited to be here. Um, our next segment, we're going to talk about, you know, a really sort of unique angle when people are talking about how do you put social impact to work? What does it look like? Um, so I'm curious what our audience has to say, what questions they ask. You're absolutely right. So uh, we should move very quickly to our next guest. Yes. It's just as a, it's a quick, rapid succession of people here. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hand us more coffee, quick. <laughs> but we are speaking with Rick Geyer. Mm-hmm. Is that right? And what's yes. your title, Rick? I'm the president at uh, Valkill Furniture. Valkill Furniture. So, Rick, let's just start off with the basics. What in the world is Valkill Furniture? Well, actually, Valkill Furniture uh, was not my idea. It was Eleanor Roosevelt's idea in uh-huh. 1926. Uh, she wanted to build a company that would help to employ the unemployable uh, in Hyde Park, New York. Because at the time, in 26, you know, pre-depression, all that. Uh, 1926. She, 1926, yes. Um, a lot of the kids were leaving the farm. So when they would pick crops, et cetera, they'd go down to New York City where they could make all of like 11 cents an hour. And they couldn't p- keep people. So Eleanor's idea was to build cottage industries around the country. Mm. And one of those was Valkill, and, uh, which she started up in Hyde Park, New York. Great. Well, I think that that's really fantastic. And, you know, the the focus on it's Grayston Bakery, I think, that says we don't uh, we don't hire people to bake brownies. We bake brownies to hire people. Right. Sort of a similar business model. Talk about how, you know, what inspired you to to sort of step into the role to take this on. You've got a fantastic career history at Ford Motor, Deloitte Consulting. What made you say, hey, this, you know, furniture company with a goal of hiring is where I want to deploy my talent. There was a bunch of stories, but I'll tell you one story in particular that really, really moved me. And that was when I was in Detroit, I did the same thing. I have a, a facility in Detroit called 4731 Grand River. Mm-hmm. We just call it 4731. And it started out the same way. But um, I, I had a place down the street, and we had started a company called, or an organization called Architectural Savage Warehouse of Detroit. And the idea was that we would take ex-offenders, and we would train them for 8 to 12 weeks, and put them in a program where uh, we could provide them on-the-job on training and deconstruction. They were deconstructing buildings, et cetera. And one day, one of the workers was around the corner in, a, in an alley, one of our little alleys. And now this is a guy that weighs about 250, and he's about 5'7", and built out of steel, right? The guys, <laughs> And his name is Rod Tony. And I came up behind him, and as sort of a guy thing, I think I just punched him from behind him. I wouldn't do that to someone well, like well, that. I know, but that he is was how I will greet all of our guests. I know. <laughs> for the you should of the do day. that. I'm telling you, that's what we do in Detroit. But that's what we did in Detroit. I'm in Atlanta now, so we're doing it down there now. <laughs> but when I punched, he didn't react to me at all, and I, I was surprised. And I walked around in front of him, kind of put my arms out, and said, "What's the matter, Rod Tony?" And so here's this guy who looks like he could kill me if he just wanted to, for the heck of it. Put his arms around me and started crying. Oh my goodness! Now this guy had been out of prison for about uh, six weeks. And he showed me a picture of his two daughters, and he mm-hmm. said, my wife won't let me see them because I've come out of prison, et cetera. And all he wanted to do was to show his daughters that he was worth something and that he loved them. And he said, I'm going to go back to my halfway house after this job, and they will have stolen my clothes and my food. And, I mean, the guy, had no, the guy has no hope, had no hope. 
And so I tried to work with him at the time, and we did for a while. Um, but I, I really became aware of this whole notion of people not having hope, as we heard from Bobby Turner earlier. Yes, That's yes, right. he said that the great sort it. of challenge of our time is not a, a disparity in wealth, it's a disparity in hope, that and the American dream is no longer dreamt as confidently by so many Americans. Well, and that, and that leads to a whole bunch of discussions. But, but in this particular example, you know, I mean, I, you don't have to give, it's not like you give these guys anything. These guys are, I, I met a, a, you know, a million of them, quote unquote, that, get out of prison, and all they want to do is work hard. Yep. I mean, they want to yeah. show that they can do something. So I started getting involved in it then, and I'm a, I'm a builder. I, I learned how to build stuff a long time ago, and it's a long story. But um, <laughs> then I was down at um, Warm Springs in Georgia, uh, which is where I live now, and found out that Franklin Roosevelt had gone down there when he was suffering from polio because they have the Warm Springs. Yep. And it's a whole sort of therapeutic, yeah. Therapeutic. And I heard from some of the old workmen who kept trying to kick me out of the wood shop, even though I'd go back, <laughs> that Eleanor used to have a furniture company because they asked me, and I said, well, I'm a furniture guy. And so they said, well, Eleanor had a company, and I looked it up, and lo and behold, the trademark was, frankly, open. And so I picked up the trademark and for two reasons. One, because I built furniture now, and I, as you mentioned, I left Deloitte Consulting okay. and Ford, and, and I just kind of like working in neighborhoods now, and I build buildings and build furniture and things. And I found out the trademark was open, so I picked it up and went up to New York and said, hey, guess what? I can start building your furniture. And, and they said, guess what? You're not a Roosevelt, so let's talk about this. And over the last couple of years now, we've worked it out. And, in fact, in the next week or so, we're going to launch, and we're starting to send furniture up to Hyde Park, the gift shop, and the website and all that. So wow. Valkyl will again be selling furniture. That's great. So you're an honorary stuff. Roosevelt. I wouldn't go that far, but I'd <laughs> like to be. They haven't invited me, but if they did, I would say yes for sure. You're listening to a special broadcast of Dollars and Change. We're here on the floor of the Wharton Social Impact Conference. We're speaking with top industry experts on how business practices can be used for a better world. Mm-hmm. And one of those guests is Rick Geyer, president of Valkill Furniture. We just learned that Valkill was from the Roosevelt's, as in FDR and Eleanor. And so you just launched this, you just sort of launched the business, or how long have you been in, in Atlanta? I've been in Atlanta about five years now, so I've, I've owned the trademark, I think, a little over two and a little over two years, and we are just now getting to the point where we're moving forward. I've been kind of busy. I'm, I'm rebuilding an art center in an old industrial building that's a brownfield down so in a beautiful. kind of a tough neighborhood. And, but but the, the two things tie together, and that place is called 787 Windsor. I, I name them all after the addresses so I can remember them. <laughs> but, uh, Practical but, advice for thank our you, guests. Thank you. But um, 787 Windsor does the same thing, and that is I'm not sort of a... Um, you know, let me just say white developer coming in from outside and jumping in a neighborhood. I'm actually working with folks in the neighborhood. I ask them what they want. We talk. We, I work with them. I hire them. I mean, the whole thing. And, and so I'm really partners with them. Um, and in, that, in using that vehicle, I'm also helping to hire some of these folks and get them moving and get them, get them going. But, so if you look at the building piece, I, I take these old buildings and rebuild and did this in Detroit and down here now rebuild them and provide work and employment for these guys. And then now in this one, in addition to a bunch of art studios that we're putting in, I'm putting in my, the furniture thing. So we'll be actually building furniture um, and doing this deconstruction thing to, in order to help people and move them forward. But the most exciting thing, here's the most exciting thing. There's a model down in Atlanta, a model of a business um, that's been put together by uh, a couple of uh, two very good friends of mine, Alicia Phillip and Ellen Macht. And uh, Alicia is the president of the Greater uh, Community Foundation of Greater Atlanta. And they're building what they call Better Life Growers, which is a for-profit business that they're going to use. And it's in my little neighborhood in Mechanicsville down in southwest Atlanta. 
And what they're going to do is they're going to hire folks from the neighborhood, and then over time, they're going to give them performance bonuses, et cetera, which will be equity in this company. It's a for-profit company. Awesome. So what I'm trying to do on my little level, and, and I'm not trying to change the world, right? I'm just trying to um, – it's like the story about the starfish, right? This kid's throwing starfish out, and the guy says, why are you doing that? You can't possibly help all the starfish. And he throws another one out in the sea and says, hey, I help helped that, that one. <laughs> and so what I'm trying to do is to try to put together a model where I can build this business and with the guys that I'm working with. And these are either typically um, underskilled residents or, or uh, ex-offenders. Give them equity so that you know five or six years from now, when I'm ready to retire kind of thing, I've got, I've got a handful of guys uh, guys and gals who own, let's say, 50% of the company, I can turn the company over to them. I've given people a chance who never would have any equity. And, and, and the big fallacy about all these p- working with people in the cities like this is that we pay them 10 12 bucks an hour and, and as nonprofits or for-profits and think we're doing a great job. But when they're done working, they're done. They have no cushion. So what, the, what I'm trying to do is to follow the lead of Alicia and Ellen and, uh, and their Better Life Growers and provide them with equity so that down the road um, they'd be able to have equity in a company and it would build the generational wealth and it would start cutting the, the cycle of poverty. Yeah, and Rick, you're an alum um, of this fine institution. Yes, I so am. So tell us, you know, what, what hard skills did you take from, from Wharton, from Deloitte, from Ford, and, and are putting to use now in your work? Well, I actually graduated 31 years ago. Stop I say it. That. Stop it. Can you believe For that? our listeners, he doesn't I look know, it. I was six. I was six when I came here. But uh, and by the way, I Ellen, feel like this is though this is the representation <laughs> of like if you are actually like working physically hard in your day to day job, it's like well, much I, healthier for thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I mean, I'm out doing construction, climbing ladders, working in the street. In fact, one of the things I'm doing sort of on the side right now is a thing we call West Side Beautification. We have 12 ex offenders, and over the last nine weeks, I have picked up with them 27 tons of trash out of the near West Side neighborhoods. They look beautiful now, and we're trying to I'm trying to get them jobs and move them forward, et cetera. But in terms of skills at Wharton, I would say um, what I took from this place was, number one, the, the idea that uh, folks with money are also good folks. <laughs> mm. Sounds sort of funny, but I get along really well with people in these neighborhoods because I relate to them for some reason, mm. um, maybe because I started out like them kind of thing. And, and, um, but I really realized at Wharton that, that there are people of all persuasions that, that have a ton of money and have a ton of opportunity, and they're really good people, and you can use them and leverage them to do good social things, which is why I am so excited about this whole social impact thing. Here. Oh, we're so thrilled you're here. So I guess my one of my last questions here is, you know, I guess uh, the furniture business makes sense in terms of sort of it's a, it's a for-profit business, but there are so many other ways to sort of address the problem that you're trying to solve for. Um, what, what made your decision to be like, I, these are the people that I'm going to hire versus like, I am passionate about this issue. Let me figure out another way to do it. I think my brain is not big enough to wrap around the other <laughs> issue, right? So I'm doing the best I can. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm being facetious. But, but really, I think we all need to, in order to solve the greater problem, we all need to tackle the piece that we're good at. Yep. And I'm good at parachuting into a neighborhood. And, and a lot of, you know, I still have friends that will not come to my building without a gun, which mm-hmm. I think is completely ridiculous. Um, but but I, I'm, I'm really good at, at bridging the gap and being able to have to, to I don't know, work in the neighborhoods and, and, and feel like they trust me, I trust them, and then carry their message back to, to the other folks. And so for me, I don't know, it's just it's what I love to do. I mean, I'm, I'm passionate about waking up in the morning 
and and trying to figure out who I'm helping. And and you know, I mean, I, I had a, a little a little old lady one day, and this is like. I love this. When I was in Detroit, she came up to me and she was tugging at my arm. And she couldn't have been as tall as my elbow, honest <laughs> to God. And she was tugging at my arm when I was having a meeting with, with a, uh, somebody. And, and finally, and I said, excuse me just a minute to my meeting. And I looked over at her and she was crying. And I said, what's the matter? And she said, nobody's ever done anything this nice in our neighborhood before. Aww. I mean, wow. oh, my God. So why do I do this? I do it because I'm selfish because I love those feelings. I love those people who come up and, and nobody helps them. And, and so anyway, I, I do it because... I think it's a cool thing, and, and uh, I really enjoy working with these folks. Yeah, you know, you, you hear the saying, do what you can when you can with what you have, and I Amen. think that that's really what we're hearing from you today is like, this is where I am. These are the skills I had, hard, soft, my passions, and if you start there and do something, yeah. you know, the rising tide lifts all ships. But to, and to follow up on your question before, uh, Nick, earlier, and that is I would like to meet some folks who do those other things I don't do so well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'd love to scale this thing and all that kind of stuff, and that's the reason I came here today was because there's a bunch of folks that – understand the financial side and the other side and and i got the passion deal i got the whole bottom end kind yeah. of thing and i just need some some help as a lot of us do a lot of uh, mission driven folks you know we we know what we're doing we, we love it but i, I got to figure out how to be able to help even more people in that kind of thing yeah so, well we're gonna have to the right stop place on that. <laughs> yeah it's a great it's a, been a great conversation thank you so much we've been speaking with rick geyer president of valk hill furniture we're going to take a short break but when we get back we'll be speaking with lisa nutter principal of sidecar social finance and the former first lady of philadelphia and her co-founder and managing director melissa bradley we'll be right back this is dollars and change on the floor of the wharton social impact conference for more insight from business radio please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu